0: Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit, it's December 12th, it's a new episode, I took a week off, I was busy last week, so here we are. Now normally, after a week off, I've got boundless energy, I can't wait to do the podcast, I'm all excited, and it's usually a pretty good one, or at least uh, some of the feedback I get suggests that it is. Now, that's not the case for today, and I'm going to tell you why, because last night I didn't sleep much. My dogs were waking me up. My cat, and it's not even my cat, I don't even own this cat, was waking me up half the night to get outside, to come back inside, and the cat really kind of messed me up last night, and I'm going to tell you why. I hadn't seen the cat all day yesterday, Uh, let him out in the morning and usually comes by doesn't come by all day and i'm getting worried because this is an outdoor cat for the most part except when he sleeps over and wants food so the cat i see him on the porch at i don't know around 5 30 and when i see the cat after not seeing him for a while he's always so excited to see me and runs right in and rubs up against me very happy cat but when i see the cat i open the door i notice that He seems distracted. He's looking at me, then he's looking away. Then he's looking at me, then he's looking away. And all of a sudden, I see why. There's a small mouse that he's got his eye on and is sort of scurrying through the dirt by uh, the hedges in front of my house. And the kitty wants to see me, but really wants that mouse. And of course, being a predator, the mouse wins, or in this case, loses. So I see what's happening, and I say to the kitty, 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 come on inside. And the kitty ignores me and then just runs for the mouse, chases him a couple of feet, goes underneath a bush, comes out with the mouse in his mouth, the mouth that he kisses me with. He's got this squirming mouse in his mouth. I just freaked out. I'll be honest with you. It was just horrible. I mean, I'm an animal lover. Plus, this is a cat that, like, sleeps with me. It kisses me. It wakes me up with a lick on the face. And I just freak. Kitty! Kitty! Put it down, Kitty! Put it down! Kitty looks at me like, what are you, nuts? What do you care? I've got this mouse in my mouth. Kitty! And finally, the kitty drops the mouse. And immediately comes over to me and rolls over on his back. I guess he wants to play. Because to him, he was just playing with the mouse. He was flipping it up in the air, grabbing it, putting it back in his mouth. And I'm hoping to God that the mouse, you know, the cat seemed to be playing with it, but it wasn't moving very much. I was hoping it was just stunned. got the cat inside, and after about an hour, I had the courage to go outside and see how this mouse was, small mouse. And the mouse wasn't moving. The mouse was dead. Um, I didn't see any blood. I didn't see any punctures, but I assumed that the neck was broken because this sad little mouse who deserved a better fate than my vicious bloodthirsty cat killing it. Well, it kind of shook me up. And then of course, Katie wanted to sleep in bed last night. And and I started thinking that if, I don't know, the cat weighs 10 pounds, 12 pounds. Let's say that I weighed a pound less than the cat. That cat would be killing me in the bed. There's no question. If you own a cat, that cat wants to kill you, but just knows that he or she can't. So they enslave us. Uh, they wake you up. They make you go outside. They make you bring them food. They hustle you here. They push you there. They're slapping you in the face with their paws. Dogs don't do that. Cats do. I love that cat. Nevertheless, I digress. So let me, uh, so I'm a little tired today is my point. I'm a little tired. I'm a little low energy. So you'll forgive me. It happens. A little tired. The big news this week was the the, the big, big, big trade that we made with Russia to bring home Brittany Griner, who was sentenced to nine years for possessing a tiny amount of hash oil that was, in her vape cartridge and her luggage when she was going back to Russia. She had played in Russia during the WNBA's off season since 2014. And despite being presumably a positive member of Russian society, I mean, she was a, a sports hero, I guess, in Russia as well as in America. She was arrested and jailed at the airport just a week before Russia invaded the Ukraine. Now, obviously, the nine-year sentence was completely obscene. It was obviously politically motivated. And by that, I mean that Russia, much like Muslim terror states uh, and North Korea, you know, all the lawless places on earth, they look to grab Americans or Westerners any way they can. They then file trumped-up charges against them and then try to trade them for highly valued criminals from russia or it's iran or whatever one of those countries uh, that are held in american prisons or the prisons of western countries it's it's uh, leverage it's uh, like ransom it's despicable it's terrorism and it's not su- a surprise that russia uses the same tactics that iran does after all iran supplies russia with drones to kill innocent ukrainians and they're allies, and Russia has very few allies these days besides Muslim terror states and North Korea and China. So Brittany Griner was traded for one Victor Bout, an arms dealer nicknamed the Merchant of Death because he supplied so many weapons to terrorists uh, to, to arm both sides of civil wars all over the world. He's responsible for thousands, if not tens of thousands, of deaths from the weapons that he's sold. And Bout was arrested in a sting operation when he tried to sell an arsenal of military-grade anti-aircraft missiles to attack American helicopters in Colombia to terrorists. I mean, the terrorists that he sold to the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, they're more popularly known as the FARC. Uh, that's who he sold them to. Now, during his trial in Manhattan, there were tapes that were played. When he finally got extradited over, there were tapes that were played in which Bout was told that the weapons would be used, that he was selling to these uh, fake terrorists because it was a sting operation. They'd be used to kill U.S. pilots that were working with Colombian officials. And Bout replied, we have the same enemy. So he knew that he was selling weapons that would be used to kill Americans. He had six years remaining on the 25-year sentence he received for aiding this terrorist organization and for trying to sell them weapons. We weren't going to keep him forever in jail because he only had six years left. But still, six more years of him locked up means six less years of him causing mayhem and death all over the globe. So that's got to be worth something, right? But Vladimir Putin gets back one of the most dangerous killers in the world, who will surely go back to his old career based out of Russia. And in exchange, we get a fucking basketball player and even worse, a woman basketball player who no one gives a shit about anyway. I mean, let's be honest. The left loves her so much now, but somehow they never went to go see her play. Nobody goes to see female basketball players play. Nobody goes to the WNBA. And that's why Brittany Griner, needed to play her off seasons in Russia to make extra money because her salary was so low because none of the fans in America that watch basketball want to see the WNBA because they're inferior players. I'm sorry, it's true. It's true. Go watch Zion Williamson play. You go watch him play and you tell me if that's the same as Brittany Grinder. Now, Putin needed some really good public relations as Russia is mired in this Quagmire that is the Ukraine, and his own people are turning on him. It's a very unpopular war in Russia. And humiliating the United States by trading a useless basketball player for one of the world's most dangerous men is a huge win for Putin and makes Russia appear strong and America appear pathetic and weak, which in fact we are. Now, it's not like Joe Biden or the Democrats care, they don't care. Naturally, uh, the Biden administration is beholden to leftist interests. And Brittany Griner is black and gay. And that's like holding a royal flush if you've been kidnapped and you're wondering where you fall on the list of who gets traded uh, for first. Nothing beats gay. You're gay. That's like the best. Except one thing. Black. Black beats gay. It's like rock, paper, scissor. It's gay, black, trans. Okay. Having black and gay get you to the front of the line uh, when you're being traded for prisoners. Okay. That's what gets you home. It makes no difference that she was convicted of assaulting her girlfriend. It makes no difference that she wouldn't stand up for the national anthem. It makes no difference that she has a history of mental health issues. She's black and gay. Go to the front of the line. She is priceless to the left due to her status as being both black and gay if only she was trans my god my god anyway black and gay Mwah! chef's kiss she's the perfect recipe of leftist interest and virtue signaling forget that victor Bowd is responsible for the deaths of thousands of blacks in africa faceless blacks uh, uh that were killed on both sides of civil wars over there. And, and the deaths of these faceless, nameless blacks, they're not as important as a single high-profile black America-hating lesbian. Not even to blacks, apparently. If you think I'm kidding, American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten who I consider to be perhaps the most dangerous person in America because she ultimately is the one in charge of brainwashing our children to become leftist freaks. She made very clear the significance of Brittany Griner. She tweeted when learning of the wonderful news that Griner had been traded for Victor Bout, quote, what a great relief, extraordinary news, a basketball star, but also a gay black woman is released. And yes, of course, we want other prisoners like Paul Whelan released. She somehow added that on, that uh, someone must have told her to add that tiny line about the Marine who is still in jail in in, in a Russian uh, gulag. But all she cares about, gay, black, woman. And Weingarten was referring to Paul Whelan. He's an American former Marine who was, as I said, left in the gulag in Russia. She neglected to mention Mark Fogel, another American who worked in Russia as a teacher. In fact, Biden doesn't mention Mark Fogel at all. And he's in prison in Russia under the same circumstances that Greiner was due to a very small amount of pot. He was arrested, uh, Fogel, at a Russian airport in August of 2021 while carrying less than 20 grams of cannabis that had been prescribed to him in Pennsylvania for medical purposes. He was sentenced to 14 years in a penal colony, very similar to uh, Grinder, who was arrested in February in Russia when airport security found hash cartridges in her luggage and they contained less than a gram of hash oil. However, nearly three months after Greiner was arrested, the U.S. State Department reclassified her as a wrongfully detained American, a status that Fogel has never received. This is important because once the government determines that someone's been wrongfully detained, the State Department and other government agencies, they begin a collaborative effort to secure their release through diplomacy and media pressure and intelligence monitoring and all kinds of fancy strategies. Yet somehow Mark Fogle hasn't gotten that status or the efforts from the Biden administration. White White male. Fogel had been a history teacher at various international schools throughout his career in Colombia, Venezuela, Malaysia, from 2012 until his arrest in 2021. Fogel had been working at the Anglo-American School in Moscow, which was an elite private school that teaches the children of American diplomats and those of other international political figures. I mean, this guy was part of the community in Russia. He's lived there for years, not just the off-seasons. But as I said, being white and straight does not help you win any favors from this Democrat government. Now, one thing that hasn't gotten hardly any press is the involvement of the Saudis in getting uh, Brittany Griner freed. The Saudis and the United Arab Emirates, they issued a joint statement last week claiming that they helped negotiate Griner's release. In fact, the prisoner exchange bout for Griner took place at the airport on the tarmac in the UAE. Naturally, of course, the Biden administration hates the Saudis and the UAE. I mean, they just couldn't let them take any kind of credit. So, of course, they had to come out and deny that the UAE or the Saudis helped. And the reason that I think it's pretty clear why the Biden administration hates the Saudis and the UAE is mainly because they're allies of Israel and they're enemies of Iran, and we all know that the Biden administration is perpetually on its knees for Iran with this ridiculous uh, nukes deal that, you know, has to happen tomorrow. And it's been going on uh, since day one of Biden coming into office. So Karine Jean-Pierre, Biden's lying spokesperson, who is utterly incompetent, but like Reiner, she's also black. She's also gay thus holding the proverbial royal flush hand and keeping her job no matter how many uh, lies she gets caught in or how many words she can't pronounce, simple words, you know, the Nobel Prize. It's not the Nobel Prize, you fucking idiot. She had to come out and dispute any credit taken by the UAE and the Saudis for Griner's uh, release. And you know what happened, though, last week, which I found very interesting, you know, we're not give, we don't want to give the Saudis any credit. We can't possibly give them any credit. Why? Because leftists hate the Saudis. Just two days before Greiner was released the U.S. sided with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in a lawsuit that was brought against him in federal court in D.C. by the fiancé of Washington Post columnist and noted Muslim terror supporter, non-American Jamal Khashoggi, who was killed and cut into tiny pieces in 2018, purportedly on the orders of bin Salman. Somehow the U.S. sided with, you know, the guy who used the who directed that the bone saw be used against Khashoggi. The court dismissed the lawsuit at the request of the Biden administration, which claimed that bin Salman had immunity as he's a head of state. I'm sure that was just a minor coincidence that the Biden administration, which publicly attacked bin Salman for the murder of Khashoggi, suddenly reversed course and asked for the dismissal of the lawsuit against him just two days before Brittany Griner was freed clearly with the help of bin salman all of our enemies watch this capitulation of the biden administration carefully they know they can kidnap americans and we'll give them anything they want in exchange especially when the kidnapped american is so important to our administration black gay hates america that's the holy triumvirate for liberals And Israel has the same affliction that the leftist American does. They traded over a 1,000 Palestinian prisoners, many of them killers with blood on their hand, some of them baby killers with multiple life sentences in exchange for one Israeli soldier who was kidnapped inside Israel. The Palestinians dug a, a tunnel into Israel. They grabbed them. They kept them for years. And what happened is by giving the Palestinians back all their killers. Naturally, the Palestinians' main goal now is to kidnap another Israeli because they can get, in their mind, another thousand of their killers free. And to a Muslim terror enclave, killers and, and you know are their lifeblood. They're heroes. They build schools. They name schools after the killers. If you kill a baby and, uh, and you're a Palestinian, you're a hero. You get streets named after you. They need them back. Russia needs to feel a very heavy price for doing what they did with Brittany Griner, just as the Palestinians should have to pay and didn't for kidnapping the Israeli soldier. What should we be doing in response? Well, we should be arresting Russian spies, criminals all over the globe and filling up our prisons with them, press our allies to arrest them, extradite them to America Or just let them rot in prisons in the Western countries where they're found. Freeze Russian assets, all of them, wherever we find them. Dealing with these lawless, rogue countries like Iran and Russia, we need to stop being so high-minded, so moral. This is why they get to trade some idiot basketball player for the world's worst arms trafficker, a guy who was once number two on the most wanted list in America after bin Laden. We should be sending much deadlier weapons to the Ukraine in order to kill more Russians. There needs to be a price for this kind of behavior. We need to fight Russia on their disgusting, despicable level. Same concept in Israel with Palestinian terrorists. When the terrorists kill Israelis sitting in their buses trying to go to work, the immediate response should be the targeting and liquidation of Palestinian terrorist leaders. Not a speech. Not uh, sending missiles into empty fields or weapons warehouses. We need to kill terrorists. Israel should be killing the terrorists where they live. If their family is inside the house with them and they're using the family as human shields, well, I'm sorry. You're all going to get 72 virgins apiece. I'm sorry. They need to kill the terrorist leaders who direct murder inside Israel. These are not difficult concepts to understand. This is psychology 101. For every Israeli killed by Palestinian terrorists, hundreds of Palestinian terrorists should be destroyed in response. For every American essentially kidnapped by terror states such as Russia, dozens of Russians need to be arrested and put in cages in America. We don't have the luxury of always being so morally superior. Eventually, the price for the behavior of Russians who are detaining our citizens will be too much for Putin to bear, and it'll eventually stop. This is basic psychology. You touch an open flame and you get burned. You stop the behavior if it hurts too much. And Victor Bout, gave an interview once he got back on Russian soil, and he was not bitter over the 15 years he spent in prison due to the charges that America brought against him. He noted that he respected America, that prisoners treated him well, and that once he got locked up inside America, once he got brought over here, but he noted that America has gotten weak and gotten away from its values. And it's not really so hard to understand that when you consider what leftism has done to America, has done to our military. This administration does not care about the quality of the people they hire. They care solely about the race, their perverse sexual preferences. Remember that Department of Energy official who has a mustache and wears dresses and high heels? He's bald, complete freaky. He's got lipstick on. His name is Sam Britton. He claims he's gender fluid and non-binary, whatever the fuck that means. He also uses the pronouns they and them. He was charged with a felony for the second time of stealing luggage in airports off the uh, carousels. Twice he's done it at least, and he's still not been fired by the administration. This is some bald dude with a mustache and lipstick walking around in a tight dress and high heels, and he's part of the Department of Energy? Why? He's clearly a freak just because he's gender fluid? I don't even know what that means. Is it any surprise that he's a mental degenerate freak who can't stop stealing luggage? Who could have possibly seen this coming? Not me. And this follows the arrest two months ago of a United States military doctor, who was the first known active duty army officer to come out as transgender. Slow clap. He, she, it, they, them, whatever the hell it is, was indicted for spying for allegedly attempting to pass sensitive medical information about American military service members to a person that she, he, it, they, them believed to be working for the Russian government. We become a country which is concerned with all of these insane identity politics at the expense of hiring the the expense of hiring the best people. Now, the more of a freak show that you are, the better chance you have of advancing with this administration. Even Victor Bout gets it. But naturally, half of America does not. This week in New York City at the New York Public Library, there was a drag queen story hour for children and the NYPD was there to protect them. Can someone from the left please explain to me why little kids need to have drag queens read them stories at the library? Can the left ever stop trying to sexualize children? A huge scandal came out over the weekend about Twitter uh, meeting with the FBI before the 2020 election. They met with Homeland Security, the CIA, in efforts to blacklist conservative accounts to stop Donald Trump's tweets from being shared, to finally figuring out how to kick him off of Twitter. And I hate Trump, but if he's running for president, he shouldn't be silenced by one side. Half the country is going to vote for him. The guy should be able to be on the same platform as his opponent. And he's obviously an important person. His words should be heard, even if you don't agree with him. Also coming out this weekend was Twitter's efforts to cover up the Hunter Biden laptop story, efforts to stop anyone from doubting the COVID vaccine and where the virus came from. Hint, China. They unleashed it. This all happened just weeks before the 2020 election. It's a shocking story. An effort to impact the election done at the behest of American law enforcement agencies and and one of our parties, the Democrats? Naturally, uh, Jack Dorsey, that uh, bearded hippie freak, Twitter's former owner, testified before Congress under oath a couple years ago and committed perjury, claiming Twitter doesn't shadow ban, doesn't look to silence conservative voices. Total lie. He should be indicted for that. He should be indicted. And don't forget the 51 intelligence officers who signed the letter saying that Hunter Biden's laptop, that whole story was a fake, that it was a Russian operation. Come on. Even though Joe and Hunter Biden never said that the laptop was fake, some of these officers were ex-heads of the, the CIA. They knew the laptop was real and they conspired with social media to bury the story, to lie about it, all to get Joe Biden elected. This is worse than Watergate, by far to me. It certainly affected more people. Watergate was just breaking into the Democratic headquarters. Who cares? Minor. Richard Nixon had to resign over that. But you've got this, where social media, this is a new America under a leftist regime. Half of America doesn't even seem to care. Hell, the Republican Party doesn't even seem to care. Victor Bout is right we've got one side of the country just stopping the free will of the entire country it's outrageous and the guy who was the former head of safety the the head censor of twitter was naturally a lefty gay jew named yol roth yol roth naturally yol roth L. roth has old tweets arguing to normalize pedophilia He has old tweets discussing his love for gay porn. Hasn't even taken him off because he doesn't care. doesn't make a difference. He can do it. It's his Twitter. It's the gay left Twitter. Naturally, Elon Musk noted over the weekend that former Twitter executives, including Yoel Roth, quote, refused to take action against child exploitation and didn't remove child porn on Twitter. Millions of people saw these images. This is grooming. I need to understand what is the obsession on the left with child sex, child pornography, with sexualizing kids. What is wrong with these people? This is why I ran away from the Democratic Party, part 897. They love that radical Islam. They love Jew haters. They love pedophilia. Anyway, back to Brittany Griner. She spent, what, 10 months in jail? And we swapped the merchant of death for her. You know who the American government did nothing for? I'm going to explain to you. Remember my client, the Japanese OBGYN, who pioneered the use of a laser to treat endometriosis? A world-renowned doctor. Japan attempted to extradite him from America starting in 2016 for allegedly spraying oil on a shrine and temple in Japan. And this was temporary damage. Not a dollar was spent to fix what occurred. The stains faded away. Yet Japan wants him back because he's Christian and he's not Buddhist. They want him doing hard labor. They want to end his career. Well, after six years of trying to extradite him, we finally had the extradition hearing last week. No decision was made by the judge, but I fully expect it's very highly possible that Dr. Kanayama will be sent back to Japan to prison. And the American government fought to send him back there. Our hearing was Dr. Kanayama versus the American government, which was doing the bidding of the Japanese government. This was just due to, obviously, the extradition treaty between the two countries. And are you telling me that Dr. Kanayama isn't as important as Brittany Grinder, whose only skill is dribbling and shooting a basketball? We couldn't have worked out a deal with Japan to keep Dr. Kanayama in America where he'll continue to be able to help women, women help women afflicted with a horrible disease? No attempt was made. Nothing. But we traded the merchant of death for a fucking basketball player? Dr. Kanayama is Japanese. He's not black. He's straight. He's not gay. He doesn't matter, despite his huge value to the world of medicine, to the women that he's helped over the years. I contacted the New York Times to get them to cover the story. They didn't show up at the hearing. Neither did the Post or the Daily News. The Post is more concerned with covering galas that have Marjorie Taylor Greene and that pillow guy speaking than they are about the American government helping to send back a famous doctor to Japan. The Daily News is barely alive except to help uh, leftist causes. They've got about, I don't know, nine or ten subscribers left. Do you know that reporters from these three papers, plus others I suppose, call me weekly To ask what cases I'm working on as they're digging for stories to write about, yet there was not a single reporter in the courtroom in Lower Manhattan last week for the hearing to extradite a hugely important Japanese doctor who is about to be sent back to Japan, where he will be sent to prison and forced to do hard labor, which will end his career. All because he's alleged to have splashed some oil on a religious shrine, which, by the way, is happening all over Japan today. Still, oh, and uh, and on Saturday, the Post, uh, no, excuse me, the Times reporter who I told about the Dr. Kanayama extradition story and did nothing, asked me to go out to lunch this week because he needed information that I have on a story he's working on. Guess when that lunch will be? Sometime on uh, I don't know April thirty fourth next year. I wonder why Dr. Dr. Kanayama's story and the American government helping to send him back to Japan wasn't important to the American media, but some black, lesbian, wife-beating, marijuana, law-breaking basketball player is. You figure it out and try not to puke when you do. Oh, and by the way, I've got a huge case with global implications coming up in federal court on Thursday, same place where Dr. Kanayama's case was. Let's see if the press manages to find their way to federal court in Manhattan that day. This is a global issue. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit, I got to take a break. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit, we're back and Again, I I don't want it to be said that I don't applaud the release of Brittany Griner. She did not deserve to be there for nine years. She didn't deserve to be in Russia for nine months. But I'm nauseated at the probable extradition of Dr. Kanayama and the hypocrisy of the American government. It's really maddening. And, And now I'm all annoyed. I'm all annoyed now. So I've got to talk about things that annoy me naturally. And if I'm annoyed, you should be annoyed as well. It's only fair you're listening to me. And... What I want to talk about is the old days. I miss the old days, and not because I'm looking back on a period when I was a more successful lawyer. I wasn't more successful when I was younger. I'm way more successful now. I'm a way better lawyer now, but no one else is, and it's infuriating to me. The laziness of criminal lawyers today, their refusal to learn their craft, they care about publicity and any way to generate it, despite having limited or or no skills. And who do you think suffers? People charged with crimes, people who have a constitutional right to effective representation. Trust me on this. They don't always get effective representation and no one really cares. Young lawyers should be forced not just to do continuing legal education. They should be forced to apprentice for a few years with experienced lawyers Because if you let these young, not even, they're not even all young. If you let these imbecile lawyers to their own devices, they won't do the work. They won't read. They won't learn. They'll just be hustling for cases, hustling for the dollar. And they're not concerned if they screw things up. And a couple of things happened recently, which just annoyed the hell out of me in in my sphere. A, A client came in regarding a trial subpoena to testify at a federal violent gang case. In uh, Manhattan, a federal case in Manhattan, and he was a victim of this gang. Naturally, he didn't want to testify because he was afraid of retribution from the gang. You can't blame him. So he hired some dumbass kid lawyer who advertises the following on his website. This This is what this lawyer does. He's a young kid. Entertainment law, music copyright law, etc., criminal defense, traffic violations, DUI, DWI, etc., civil litigation, collections, construction matters, personal injury, medical malpractice, various transactional matters, wills, trusts, estates, appeals. <sighs> Exhale. He sure learned a lot in the few years that he's been an attorney after graduating from a law school that's so bad, I'm not even sure if it's accredited in New York. So the kid gets hired, calls up the prosecutor, doesn't tell the client that he doesn't know how to do this kind of work because that's not important. The important thing is getting that case, getting that hustle, getting that money, money. He calls up the federal prosecutor whose name was on the subpoena and it's, it's so clear he's never handled one of these things before. He tried to be helpful. That's the normal thing you want to do. and When somebody has you by the nuts, you want to be helpful to try to get them to release said nuts. This lawyer figured that the more helpful he was, the more likely the prosecutors will help the lawyer back, help the client back by not making him testify in the case. Except, while that may be common sense in the real world, it's the worst possible advice ever in this set of circumstances. The government had never spoken to his client. They weren't sure what he would say about what happened at a trial. They just had information that he was victimized by the defendant who was about to stand trial. So the young attorney brings the client in at the government's request for multiple proffer sessions with the government. The feds get their hands on the guy and they learn exactly what happened to him, confirming that in fact he was a victim of the defendants whose trial was coming up. He gave all the details to the feds and stressed to them over and over he didn't want to testify that he was afraid. But his lawyer told him the feds wouldn't use him as a witness because he was being so helpful. Now, think about this. What is the point of getting the information, the feds, what is the, infor- the point of them getting the information about this client being victimized if not to use him at the trial of the guy who was doing the victimization? How is this so hard to figure out? Naturally, at the end of all the proffers, the prosecutors told this young lawyer, after all the sessions were over, they were definitely using the client as a witness. The young lawyer was angry. He felt betrayed. But it was the client who would have to suffer for this lawyer's inexperience and ignorance. So the client called me to fix it, hired me, and I contacted the feds. And I told them, look, I'm not here to to ruin anything you're doing. I said, but I got to be honest with you. The client is really, really angry and, and very volatile. Their response to me was, <laughs> too bad. We got him under subpoena. and We know what he's going to say. I said, well, I got to be honest with you. He's very volatile. He's very angry at you. He's very angry what happened to him. So, you know, good luck calling him at trial. I don't know what he's going to say. And they responded, well, is he going to commit perjury? And I said, I have no idea. I guess you'll find out when you call him as a witness. Then you could sense their bravado was lessening. They had gotten over on the younger lawyer, and I was not willing to play the same game. And they asked me if they could speak to him to prep him for his testimony because we want to protect him so he won't commit perjury. I said, you know what? It's a great idea. I really think you should meet with him and get him ready, except there's only one problem. He won't meet with you. He won't meet with you. And I said, I can't give you access to him, so I guess you're just going to have to call him and see what happens. Now, the trial is coming up, and I can almost guarantee you they will not call my client, my, now he's my client, as a witness. They're too afraid of what will happen if they do. One bad government witness who says the wrong thing can torpedo their entire case. Now, that's how you handle a situation like that. Instead of kissing the government's ass, you obviously agree to comply with the subpoena you have to but you do not let the feds interview him you do not let the feds prepare him for his testimony you think they're going to be willing to take the chance of their case imploding by putting on a guy completely blind of course not and I was kind enough and after this was over to call up the younger lawyer and explain to him the error that he made and he says you know I understand now I'd never done this before I won't do it again I didn't even call him a dumbass that was me being generous. Here's another annoying thing that occurred to me just this past week. A client who pled guilty without even the benefit of a plea agreement received 20 years, was not my case at the time, received 20 years in a federal case in Buffalo. The feds were giving him a bad offer. So the lawyer said, look, the offer's so high. Let's just plead you out to the indictment and hope we can do better than the plea offer. And the judge gave him 20 years. Now, this happens like maybe once in a career where you plead without an agreement, because then the judge can sentence you to the statutory maximum. There's no promise in place at all. I've never done it, but it does happen if the case is really bad in terms of the conduct that was done. And this case had to do with sex with a minor. So I understand why it's theoretically possible why you would plead to the indictment. But that's not the part that bothered me. The defendant was from a foreign country, as were his parents. They were despondent over what happened to their son. They sent them to live in America, and then all of a sudden this happens. They live thousands of miles away. They're powerless. I'm handling another case of his now, as well as a possible litigation to vacate this Buffalo conviction, so I'm the new lawyer. The family asked me if I would do a Zoom call with them and a lawyer who worked for their company. This lawyer, this other lawyer, wasn't American, but she had done some research, and I knew this was a long shot. I knew it would most likely not bear any fruit, but I agreed to do it, and I had my partner on the Zoom as well, and it went on for like 45 minutes, and I was as patient as I am capable of, which is you know, moderately patient. The young lawyer was very smart. Not American, as I said, and and she had done a lot of work, a lot of research, and her ideas were good ones, except they were really for the time period after he had gotten arrested, not after he was convicted, before he pled guilty. Naturally, uh, the lawyer that they had uh, in place, the uh, female lawyer before me, the American lawyer, hadn't used any of these ideas, and I asked why. And the family and this foreign lawyer said, well, they asked her to do a Zoom call as well with this lawyer, but the American lawyer refused. And I thought, would it have killed her to spend 45 minutes to make the family feel better, to give them some peace, to make them feel heard, to listen to what this young lawyer's research was? I mean, she spent the time doing the research. Would it have killed this New York lawyer to make this tiny sacrifice, if only for client relations? Apparently, it was too much to ask, which is hilarious because this New York female lawyer who handled the case is notoriously incompetent. I've taken countless cases away from her due to her lousy work. I've never seen her in court. and How does she get cases? Well, she advertises like crazy. Google, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. Completely incompetent, though. She has time to make Instagram posts about her fucking dinner. And then she pays to have them pop up in your feed. They're sponsored. She pays. And then you have to see it because nobody would see it on their own. She doesn't have time, though, to meet with a very scared family who asked for a simple favor, which would take 45 minutes of her time. So it's annoying to me. All right? It's annoying. Take the time. These people are human beings. You're taking their money. You can at least spend some time and give them some peace, you fucking idiot. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you this these tips. This is a gift for you if you ever get arrested and you don't know who to hire. These are the people you avoid. Lawyers who advertise on Instagram. Tell me, do you really think a criminal defendant who is picking his lawyer based on something you see on Instagram has a brain in his head or any money in his pocket? I don't mean just having an Instagram account. I, I have one. I show pictures of my baseball cards and my cat and my dogs. I mean paying to have your dumbass posts show up in people's feeds. Are you this desperate? Getting like special pictures made for your Instagram account as a lawyer? I mean, lawyers who use spam words to advertise on Google. Best lawyer in New York, best criminal lawyer in the world best criminal attorney since Jesus was pulled off the cross, they pay to have these words put on their website so that when you do a search for best lawyer in New York, they'll come up on page one. Do a search and see if any of these lawyers who show up on the first page, when you do a search for best lawyers in New York, best criminal lawyers in New York, actually have tried any cases you've heard of. When they have 200 positive reviews from clients like online, they're fake or they're solicited. Clients rarely write nice things about their lawyers online. Only angry clients do. That's human nature. When you're happy, you're happy. When you're pissed, you want to do everything you can to screw the lawyer up. I've heard lawyers tell me that they reduce the price of their fee if the clients give them a good review online. Are you this pathetic? Instead, you, people out there, find objective news sources that show that the lawyer is competent, not just pretend competent on Twitter or Instagram, because they're not. So lawyers who spend money for online commercials, online videos that they post about themselves, not of cases they've done, but shit they pay for. If they were good, they wouldn't have to do this. If they had real cases... The media would be covering their great successes. Of course, except for Dr. Kanayama, they wouldn't cover that. The constant self-promotion when they don't know the first thing on how to handle a criminal case, it's grotesque. Here's something else that bothers me, all right? Lawyers who wear suits with more than two pieces. All right? Okay? A jacket and pants. That's it. A belt, pair of shoes. That's it. All right? That's it. You're a lawyer. You're not a clown. When lawyers have on a vest, a fancy hat, the silk scarf, the pocket square, the suspenders, the pocket watch, the watch fob, the houndstooth coats, when they're photographed holding a cigar, I promise you that they're idiots. They're wearing a costume. They think they're dandies. They care more about the costume, about playing dress up, about playing the part, than they do about knowing the law. They're a fabrication. We're not rock stars. We're not supposed to be flashy. You think that juries are going to believe flashy assholes with nine piece suits on? Of course they're not. Dig around, find out if they've ever actually had any trials. A lot of people in New York. They're described as top lawyers. Try to find the case that was actually important that they won. You can't. This also annoys me. Bald lawyers who use wax on their heads, on their stupid, dumbass acorn heads. Lawyers with mustaches who use mustache wax. Again, it's pure idiocy. Guaranteed. Lawyers who go to every networking event, who belong to all the different lawyer organizations. People who go to these things, they can't get business or are desperate for awards from these organizations. Who the fuck even wants an award from one of them? Who even wants to hang out with lawyers? They're obnoxious. Are we this needy? I got an award once for lawyer of the year from one of these organizations and they spelled my name wrong. If you're this needy, you're not worrying about the client. You're not waking up at 4 a.m. with an idea about a case. You're sleeping like a baby because you're an imbecile and you're only concerned about yourself. I'm begging you out there. Don't be fooled. Do the research before you pay money. Find cases that the lawyers actually done, not just what they say they've done or what their mother's uh, making a fake review on Google say that they've done. Find real cases. If it's an important case, Read one of their cross-examinations. Ask them. If they're good, they'll have it. If they don't, they won't. Finally, the last thing that uh, drives me nuts about lawyers is when they're looking for anything else to do for a career other than actually being a lawyer. This is one of the reasons why I quit talk radio. I did it for years, from 2006 to probably sometime in 2013, I ended. And at the end, I was doing a daily show in New York City for two hours a day at the end of my workday. And while I fit everything in, it required me to work 12, 14 hours a day, and it just became too much. But not everybody really wants to work that hard. That's why they don't want to be lawyers anymore. So, they're looking for anything else they can do, any other type of vocation, something to do with uh, Hollywood. They want to write books. They want to uh, assist on TV shows and movies. If they're not working on cases all the time, trust me, they have no interest in your case. You can't hire a lawyer who is involved in all sorts of other entertainment projects, etc. cetera because they clearly don't feel that the law is something they want to do full-time, and they're looking for something else. Every lawyer fancies himself some kind of like star. You know what? Maybe just be a lawyer. There's nothing wrong with that. It's plenty of fun. It's plenty of interesting things that happen in your day-to-day, but most lawyers are always looking for something else to do, and if they are, the time they spend on doing these other things, entertainment projects, you know, the radio, TV, they're not working on your stuff. Stay away from them. Okay, I'm done complaining. This is not, this episode didn't turn out the way I wanted. Now I'm all angry. I'm upset. I hope that cat didn't kill anything outside. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can find me on iHeartRadio on Spotify. Apple podcasts beyond the legal limitcom write to me if there's something you want me to talk about something from my career just to maybe a general topic in uh, criminal law today anything you name it see you next week thanks for